Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's ride. for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's going on, Dodger fans? And thank you for listening to another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. We are presented by Fan Sided. Hope wherever you are out there, you're saying you're staying safe with Hurricane Hillary and earthquakes in route. That's why we're recording here Sunday afternoon on August 20th as the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are 76 and 47, by the way, have two consecutive off days as they took care of business Saturday against the Miami Marlins. It's not it's always nice not having one win in a day, but two wins in a day. And that's what the Dodgers pulled off against Miami. The Dodgers have been on an absolute tear in the month of August. They are 17 and two with only two those two losses occurring against the Padres and most recently against the Marlins. So let's roll into things. Your Los Angeles Dodgers have run away with the NOS. We don't need to talk about the division anymore. We're going to start focusing on the playoffs. We have a number of great questions today. Um, the Dodgers won the series against the Marlins. They swept the Milwaukee Brewers. We're going to start with Julio Urias, who was the most recent Dodger to take the mound. He went seven innings of one-run ball. He's now 11-6 and six on the season. He's a 4.15 ERA, a 109 whip. In the month of August, he's 4-0 with a 144 ERA and a 184 opponent batting average against, which is his best mark of any month this season. David Rosenthal, your takeaways on the turnaround by Urias and the Dodgers moving forward. I mean, Julio Arias has looked like Julio Arias again. I think that's the simplest way to put it. Uh, we talked about it last episode, how, yes, this is a contract year, and I think this is his push. Not that he wasn't trying before, but I think this is his push where he really said, all right, it's time to pitch well. Uh, and he's going to carry this into the playoffs, and I think he's going to pitch super well in the playoffs. But aside from Arias, this rotation looks phenomenal. I mean, Kershaw looks good. Obviously, we just talked about Arias. Lance Lynn looks awesome, and Bobby Miller looks awesome. So out of all the concerns for this this pitching staff, I don't really see them holding up at, at least at, the, at this point in time. For sure. Yeah, there was a question of if the qualifying offer was on the table for Arias, but that's long gone. He is going to for yeah. sure test the free agent market. And we'll see. We have a question about Urias. We'll get to later. David, uh, Jake Reiner, how's everything going? Um, what are your takeaways on the the Dodgers? If you want to get into a specific topic, I'm going to let you set the tone. Okay. Uh, this has been uh, an incredible second half. And this team has really come together. I really felt that when healthy, it was one of the best teams in the National League. And it's proven to be right because they are generally speaking pretty healthy on the um, offensive side of things still could use a couple of arms back from uh, the IL and the bullpen, but the rotation is pretty much set. And what we saw from Ryan Pepio, his first start of this or first appearance of the season, if we can get more of that, they were talking about how he's been tacking the strike zone more uh, as he's been rehabbing in AAA and all of that. And that when he was in the big leagues last year, he kind of was pressing and and trying to be too cute and trying to, you know, spot the corners and all of that instead of just pounding the zone, because when he did put it in the strike zone, hitters really couldn't touch it. So really encouraging stuff from him. Obviously, we lose Tony Gonsolin, but I think that's a blessing in disguise. Um, him going on the IL, it was much needed, should have happened much sooner, I felt. They tried to run him out there. It just did not look good. He got absolutely destroyed. The worst start I've ever seen him pitch. Probably his worst start ever uh, in the major leagues. So that was pretty disheartening because uh, David and I were there at that game. But overall, the, the 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 team looks great and primed for October. Tony Gonsolin, like you said, was ran out there too long. But like saving Private Ryan, 
I think Dodger fans need to commemorate Tony Gonsolin for going out there, fighting through injury, because put it in perspective, at one point, Kershaw, Urias, May, Bueller, I don't know if I said Urias, but Urias, Syndergaard, and Pepio were all on the IL, which meant the Dodgers were completely depleted with rotation arms, and maybe a guy like Gonsolin isn't in the Dodgers' long-term plans. I've heard plenty of Dodger fans say that, so maybe they were perfectly comfortable running him out there, eating whatever innings he could provide, and at the end of the day, we'll see what happens with the injury. It looks pretty serious with forearm tightness that cost him the majority of the second half last season. Uh, I don't want to get too far ahead with what to speculate, but that probably wasn't his worst start. It was his worst start. I mean, five home runs in one game, 10 runs. What a way to just absolutely die. I mean, Jorge Soler murdered him. Yeah, it's 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 over for, for Gonsolin this year. Uh, I mean, Dave Roberts basically came out and said it, but that's a situation where you didn't even need Dave Roberts' confirmation. Uh, if you watched what just happened, uh, it was it was awful and there was no sign of him getting better at any point either it was just it was just a complete disaster so yes he deserves credit for throwing some innings out there this season and giving the dodgers some length occasionally uh but in terms of a playoff spot some people were saying in the bullpen no it's it's completely over uh you got to just reset and maybe try again next year or trade him don't Here's know if thing. you can trade it, him it, now what? though well yeah in the offseason well, yeah yeah in the offseason um yeah, you know, obviously give him credit for going out there, but I I thought he was hurting the team more than he was helping the team. Yeah, and, it's not like and, there was not and, anybody and, else. And I I know what Kevin's going to say that the Dodgers won most of his starts, but that's your logic not, when you're when you're going three four innings that hurts the team, you know, because if you can't get out of the fourth inning, you can't get out of the fifth inning, then you're taxing the bullpen. And when they have a shortage of arms, you need guys that can go out there and get and give you some length. That's why they kept throwing Michael Grove out there. Should we give him the same amount of credit that we give Tony Gonsolin? At least Grove is is healthy. Uh, I just I, I I don't understand the point of trying to just throw someone out there just because we're we're short we're literally short armed. Like I, I I don't get that. Um, and even if they're not resulting in losses they still hurt the team in terms of taxing the bullpen and 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 kind of throwing off the rest of a, of a potential series here's why you're wrong jake first of all like you said about trace thompson and other guys as long as they're winning who cares that's not hurting the team second of all if they're not going with tony gonson you know where they're you know what they're going to go with it anyways a bullpen game so maybe gonson only went three innings four innings and yeah that's disappointing but that's still a better alternative because we damn know the dodgers would have gone a nine inning bullpen game instead I mean, so what? You're pitching three innings versus, you know, you're you're having to cover an extra He's two innings hurt. there with with He's relievers. Hurt. We saw the so same scenario be, with so he shouldn't Walker. be pitching. I just read you; they had like six or seven starters off the injury list. You could fault the Dodgers' management for not going out there and getting healthy arms if you want to go that route, but that certainly doesn't fall on Tony Gonsolin because at least he's providing a service. Yeah, it was disappointing, but we saw the same exact scenario with Walker Buehler a year ago. Walker Buehler so was you're clearly saying, hurt. So, you, so, what, so what you're saying is, is that you would have rather run a raggedy Tony Gonsolin out there than Emmett Sheehan or Gavin Stone. They had or, Sheehan up there. They had they couldn't they, put Stone. They haven't up there. had Sheehan on the they haven't had Sheehan in the rotation for a few weeks now. They sent Sheehan down to protect his innings. It has nothing to do with talent. They wanted to make sure that I'm they not don't saying over- it has anything to do with talent, but I'm saying that you have you this I'm saying not the entire time that the Dodgers had injuries on the IL, not the entire time of that. But I'm saying this should have happened earlier, that him going on the IL shouldn't have waited this long. They were talking about him being hurt for weeks. Every single start, we were questioning what was going on with him. So I'm just saying that this could have happened a little bit sooner because not all these guys were out on the IL at the same time. Well, actually, at one point they all were, but until most recently went Urias and Kershaw, who's only been back for two starts. Yeah, I don't know why the Dodgers ran out injured pitcher, but I just said maybe they underestimated the severity of the injury. That's how it goes. Gonsolin should be celebrated. He made himself available. Now he's out for the rest of the season. So I mean, that's his job. He didn't make himself available. He's paid to do what he did. 
So yes, I mean, I'm not going to be throwing him a birthday party for this. He he did his job and he didn't do it great this year. I think that's the reality. I just don't, I don't, I just don't follow the logic of how he hurt this team because they won most of his starts. Hurting his team is going out there like a Michael Grove, or we can even say Gavin Stone, where you're given 10 runs of support and then you immediately cough it up. That's hurting your team. How about losing the game in the second or third inning? I mean, like it, it, I don't know. I just to, to compare he was, off, he was coming off a star where he threw six great innings against the Rockies. I guess the Dodgers thought maybe he had turned the corner. I don't know what to tell you. That's one loss in the grand scheme of things when they were on 11 game winning streak. I think the Dodgers are okay where they yeah, are. I'm the fine. I'm fine with that. I just, I, I, I get, I get concerned about the guy's career and his future with the Dodgers too. I mean, like it's, it is a very serious thing to, to, especially a pitcher. I mean, it's like you can yeah. you can throw a position yeah. player out there if they've got like a bum ankle or something. But like this well, is this is like you guys have been trying to do all season. You've been trying to trade him. And like I said a few minutes ago, he probably isn't in the Dodgers long term plans anyways. That's why they only gave him a two year, four million dollar annual contract. There's some guys that you have your longevity, hence why Gavin Stone's sitting in the minor so they can build his confidence up. And then there's other guys who were projected to be back end of the starters anyways, like a Tony Gonsolin, that you just get what you can out of him. And then when he runs out of gas, you throw him in the garbage and move on to the next guy because we know they have a ton of guys in the system that they're excited to call up in the future. So I think, you know, Tony Gonsolin, I think he exceeded his potential. You look at all the people that the Dodgers drafted in that 2016 draft class. Will Smith was the clear runaway with the most potential and success. But after him, Tony Gonsolin was second. Not even up for the debate. That's all I got to say. He's a good regular he's, season pitcher. Yeah, that's about it. And that's what he did this season. I mean, he gave him like 20, 22 starts. So a lot more than what people might have thought. That's all I got to say about Gonsolin. We're moving on. Jake lost that argument. Okay. How about let's talk about Mookie Betts, National League MVP candidate. Am I right? Not only did he have a big two-run double in the first game to put the Dodgers up 3-1 in the later innings. He also had two home runs with LeBron James in attendance. Jake Reiner, I know you want to talk about how big of an impact player Mookie Betts has been this season, so I'm going to pass it over to you. I mean, he's been incredible. Um, the He's living up to the contract. I mean, wholeheartedly. Um, this, is, this, is this, this is the year of Mookie Betts that we were kind of hoping for for since he started here, this, this type of elite uh, top three, top five player in the game that this is what we've been looking for. He's been unbelievable, especially coming up with runners in scoring position. He's been elite in that category, which it, which has been huge for this team. It seems like every time there's a spot for work for him to come through, he does. And I mean, him at the top of the order with Freddie Freeman has been just such a delight all year. They've been carrying this team. And this is their team now. And 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 I really feel like they've owned that. And it was cool to see on a kind of an odd promotion with, with LeBron James bobblehead night, but I understand the uh, the business side of it. Of course, you want to merge the Dodgers and Lakers, and you know it doesn't hurt to have uh, LeBron James in attendance at the Dodger game. And then for Mookie to show out like that, hitting two bombs, um, they had like a little salute moment to one another. Really, really cool moment if you're a fan of both the Dodgers and Lakers to have those superstars kind of be the leaders of your teams. So, um, yeah, not much more you can say about Mookie Betts other than he's made a real push. I mean, he's surging. He started as like the number three, solid number three in the MVP race, and now he's kind of vaulted himself to to number one, I think. Yeah, I think it's going to be a classic like Freeman and Betts split vote situation and Acuna wins. I just feel like that's going to be the nature of that voting. I could definitely see that. I mean, what Mookie Betts is doing this season for the Dodgers is absolutely incredible. Not only with the bat, which I'll get into, but the fact that he's playing right field, a pretty good second base, an occasional shortstop, that's what an MVP does. He's hitting 298, 394 on base, 595 slugging with 34 home runs, 86 RBIs, 101 runs scored, 165 WRC plus, which is a mile ahead of what he's done at all in his Dodgers tenure by 20 points. I don't know what got into Mookie Betts, but the fact that he's taking this regular season about as serious as I've ever seen him 
speaks volume to the true player that he is. So I'm really excited to see what Mookie Betts does in October this postseason. I think he's going to make a big impact uh, because it's been a while. I'm excited for these playoffs, and I haven't I haven't been able to say that the past like two years, basically. I think the Dodgers are in a really good position. I'm interested to see how the seeding plays out. Uh, I still haven't decided if I'd rather be the number one seed or the number two seed. Uh, it just kind of depends who we're going to end up matching up with. But that's I'm honestly watching the wild card race more than th- this division race at this point. Also, I really like this sort of uh, lying in wait type of offense the Dodgers have sometimes when they don't all put it together, maybe in the first five or six innings, and maybe they're down like a run or two. But if but if the pitching staff gives them a real shot to win the game within one to two, even three runs sometimes, the amount of times that they've come back and won those games and just exploded in like the seventh or eighth inning, sometimes yeah. the offense just wakes up all at the same time and it's just unstoppable. I think that plays really well in the postseason because you're going to have those really close and tight games. Uh, you're going to have pitchers duels. You're, you're, the Dodgers bullpen has been so much better. Same with the starting rotation. So if they can keep the runs off the board to give this offense a chance, this offense is as, uh, as potent as I've seen it since sort of this Andrew Friedman run. And I know the Dodgers did something in the first game yesterday that tied the game. So Jake, what did the Dodgers do that got you really thrilled? Well, I've been sort of saying this from the beginning when we've when we've noticed that maybe Austin Barnes isn't isn't coming through at the plate offensively, um, that they should have him bunt more. And it looks like he's learned how to bunt because in that first game to tie the game, he laid down a beautiful squeeze bunt that changed the entire it changed the whole game at that point to be able to do that. I, 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 it's funny to me that we've had so many Dave Roberts teams since 2016, and he's the small ball scratcher run across, steal a base type of player. I really would love to see him go full ball, full bore on this with the guys that, you know, like a Rojas or a Barnes, where they basically act like a, the, a hitting pitcher and bunt a guy over to get him into scoring position because Mookie Betts coming up at the top of the order, he's so good at driving in runs with runners in scoring position. It just makes sense. So I was so thrilled to see Austin Barnes take matters into his own hands. Yeah. I mean, I think that was the perfect situation for it. Uh, I think with one out obviously, or no outs, at least I think in that situation in the playoffs, if Barnes is for whatever reason starting, I think you have to call that play no matter what. I think that's just a no brainer. He he's shown he can do it. And with Betts and Freeman coming up in the playoffs, if Barnes is for whatever reason starting, maybe one Kershaw start, you have to call that play. You have to. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's been a good month for Austin Barnes. A couple games prior, he was the only run scored against the Milwaukee Brewers to cap off the sweep. Had the late-inning home run against the Brewers' second-best reliever, Piomps or whatever it is pronounced, with a 197 ERA absolutely smoked a ball. That was the ball game right there. And that's why I think the two seed is the advantage right now. If you're the Dodgers, because you have a shot to play the winner of the national league central. And I said it a week ago, the brewers, I don't view them as a threat. I mean, they only posted three runs against us. I feel like we could easily beat the Cubs as well. Cincinnati reds scare me a bit because of their aggressiveness on the base path. But there's looking like scenarios where it's either the Brewers against the Reds, Brewers against the Cubs, Brewers against the Marlins. Don't really know, but it looks like it's an NL Central team, a lock, and then the other six seed kind of on the fringe. So I feel like if you're the Dodgers, you want that versus being the one seed where you're playing the winner of the Giants and Phillies. At least for now. I mean, there's so a- if the Phillies get the get the number one spot in the wild card, that would mean they would play. If they advance, they'd play the one seed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because the division winner is a lock for the three seed. 
Right, and then they would play six. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. There's one other guy that I want to showcase, and this is on the defensive end. James Outman. What a turnaround yeah. in center field. I mean, he was already good, but now he is looking like a superstar out there on the defensive spectrum. He's catching everything caught his way. And I looked up the advanced numbers. He's at a, he's in the 93 top percentile of outs above average. He's got a plus seven for center fielders. There's only a couple guys out there that are better than him. But I mean, we can get into the defense right now, but I'm sorry with James Alvin, just because this is a rookie who looks like a true veteran out there and pretty much anything hit his way in any direction. I feel good about him catching the ball. Yeah, Outman, it's just we thought we lost something with Cody Bellinger leaving defensively, which we probably did. I mean, he's a, an excellent center fielder. But James Outman, I, any ball that I see him tracking, I assume he's going to catch. And that's a great feeling when you have a center fielder that can cover that much ground. He's robbed a number of home runs this year. He's really figured it out. And it's it's it was interesting to see because he started off the season offensively, just hitting, you know, lighting the world on fire. Then he went through a massive slump, looked like the league might have figured him out. But then he turned the corner and made adjustments to the league, adjusting to him. And he's picked it up considerably. And I think I think the big thing for him is that he's working counts. He is really focused on getting on base. And I think that was kind of lost there during that slump that he was under. But right now he's taking pitches, he's being selective and he's coming through. And then the the glove has been just such a beautiful compliment to that. He's been awesome. Rosario has been awesome at second base defensively. Uh, Muncie, I saw a stat is like in the top six of defensive runs saved in the last like 20 games or something. So he's been playing good defense, but the the infield that I really like, especially in the playoffs late in games, is Kike at third, yes. Rojas at short, and Rosario at second, with Freeman obviously at first. That's an unreal defensive infield, and I think that should be deployed regularly in the playoffs later in games. Well, we know kind of what the preview of the lineups would be versus a right-handed pitcher and a left-handed pitcher, mm -hmm. and you got to assume that the Dodgers are just going to be moving pieces all around the place. I mean, they, they, that's what they're known for. They're going to be, you know, pinch hitting, you know, lefty versus righty matchup depending, and then they're going to spread that defense out. So you're going to see a lot of combinations, but just seeing Kike Hernandez handle the hot corner the other night was just, it was, was beautiful. I mean, he ended, he ended the, the second game uh, on a really great play kind of uh, going away from first base and making a throw across his body. So the, in a late game situation, that's what I want. But what's been so great, I mean, going back to Mookie Betts is that he's been awesome at second base. Uh, really, really great. And I, you know, I, I wouldn't be too, too upset if he was there in the ninth inning of a playoff game because yeah. he's been so solid. Yeah, I think Mookie Betts at second might even be better than Rosario because then you can have Jason Hayward, who's been a great defender and you move him in right field late in games at least. But I, I mean, I love Rosario against left-handed pitching. He's been absolutely crushing the the ball off the plate so what a nice gem and we're going to talk about Noah Syndergaard in a little bit because he's on deck against facing the Dodgers uh but we got some good questions here uh some coming on Instagram positive underscore e what role do you think Colton Wong will have nada wouldn't surprise <laughs> me if he pulled um that one former Mets pitcher that Jake really liked and just retires like in five games got Yamamoto yeah, Yamamoto <laughs> could totally see that happening. So well, no roll unless everyone gets hurt. AO underscore Christian 19. How confident are you the Dodgers will win the World Series? Uh, um, Don't mean to scoff at that question. I just, I, I can't. It's hard for me to make a prediction because there have been so many years where I'm like, all right, this is our year. We got this. And then it just, they just fizzle out. But I would say in terms of the 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 confidence that I have in this team versus maybe last year's team is so much higher. It's just a feeling, honestly. It's not really based on statistics or you know results or, or things like that, but just the feeling that you have when you go to the ballpark to watch this team play together. Uh, it's the most together roster I've ever seen uh, in in my time as a Dodgers fan. Just collectively, they're playing for each other. It's so unselfish. Um, that 
I really feel like their mindset is win at all costs. And when you're going into the playoffs, that's the only mindset you need to have. And if Dave Roberts is quote unquote, pushing the urgency button, whatever the hell that means, I hope that's a positive thing because it all means that the attitude is there, that these guys are hungry and they want to win more. I I don't know about confident to win the world series. I, I'm extremely confident they will get to the NLCS and play the Braves. I think that is a collision course that is unavoidable at this point. Uh, as for what happens after that, I don't know. I think it's just going to depend on if this offense can do what it's doing this entire regular season in the playoffs. And as we've seen year after year after year with the Dodgers, that is absolutely not a certainty. So I think they're going to go as far as they go with uh, runners in scoring position, honestly, hitting with runners in scoring position. They beat the Braves. They win the World Series. It'll be like how it's been in years past where the road to winning the World Series was knocking out the Dodgers. Well, this time you put the Braves in that corner. So whoever beats the Braves wins the World Series. I can see it. Harmony Davis 29 on Instagram. Do you think Cartaya should still be the number one prospect with the Dodgers? Uh, I don't know. No, I guess he hasn't really had a great season. The prospect rankings are so volatile. One minute you're the top guy, then the next you you fall. So uh, I don't think we really need to dive into that right now. But it seems like Dalton rushing has really emerged. So maybe credit to rushing for solidifying himself as a top prospect. Seems like yeah. I mean, I think it's important to just remember Cartai is only 21 still. So one bad year when you're 21 doesn't really have too much of an effect. So there's still his stock should still be pretty high in my opinion. Bomber dot belly 35 favorite player and why do you like them doesn't specify if it's current or anytime so i think it's an open open forum uh all right well i mean current player would be kershaw and past player would be probably sandy koufax um i feel like the player that got me the most excited was Corey seager and the reason being, I just felt like he was a natural hitter, could roll out of bed, get multiple base hits, also helped us win a World Series. So that's my answer. Let's take a quick pause right here to talk about TickPick. Thanks to TickPick, I got awesome seats at a great deal at Dodger Stadium, paid practically nothing, and it was a great time. J.D. Martinez bobblehead night. TickPick has no service fees at checkout. All you have to do is download the app, search your favorite event, Dodgers, NFL seasons around the corner or your favorite concert, TickPick has you covered for the best prices everywhere. So make sure to download the TickPick app today because they're going to hook you up with the best deals. I guarantee it. No service fees at checkout. I think my current favorite player is Freddie Freeman. It's just, he's just so surgical with the bat. It's just, um, it's just an unbelievable, he's unbelievable to watch as a baseball fan. Um, just, he can do everything. And his surprise speed and his ability to to stretch singles into doubles is kind of remarkable at his, the way he looks, you know, tall and lanky. He doesn't really look like he has any speed, but he does. And he steals bases. And then my favorite of all time is Sean Green. Um, Don't need to really go into all of it, but yeah, Sean Green. Yeah. My favorite current active player on the Dodgers is James Outman, just because he's awesome. All right. We're getting into the postseason talk with this question from GD Luhost on um GD Luhosh on X. What is your way too early NLDS roster? I think the hitters are all the guys currently on there, unless yeah, anyone yeah. has a different opinion. No. So that means we got to figure out the 13 pitchers. So we know the rotation in some order is Urias, Kershaw, Lynn Miller. That's four. And then the bullpen. They might not carry four for the NLDS, though. I think you you have to, because if you don't have them on, then you can't use them in that series. Yeah. So you stick them yeah, in Especially the- with the day off. They have the, there's a day off after game one, too. Yeah. I think those four, for sure, whether it's starting or out of the pen, unless they get way too cute. Uh, we know Phillips is a lock. Gratterall is a lock. Um, Garcia. I don't know if we'll 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 see him for the I end. I think he's a lock. Um, we'll see. Yarbrough. Yeah, so Yarbrough, I think he's a lock. So I'm at eight. I'm at eight pitchers. So we need five more. Elmonte, if he's healthy. I'm not sure Yarbrough's a lock in the NLDS. Why not? Certainly over Vessia. 
because he hasn't he's not a pitcher that's been trained to be a reliever that can come in every day. He's been pitching like every three or four days. So if they're going to use him in that role of like an everyday lefty, they're going to have to start doing that now because that's not the same preparation. It's not the same for your body. It's not the same for your arm. And he hasn't been doing that at all. So I don't think they're just going to carry him to have a long relief guy. That doesn't make any sense. I think think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Especially if it's a blowout, you just pull in, you put in Yarbrough or if we lost David. (laughs) I think yeah. So we'll just keep talking until David comes back. Uh, maybe I got to No, he should be able to hop on. Um, all right. So, but wait, hold on. Let me let me explain why I think Yarborough will be on there. Yeah, it's not so much. An, it's not so much in a blowout, which obviously you would need that. But it's also like, what if guys get into trouble early on? Mm-hmm. You know, the Heaney you need, role. Yeah, right. And you need to bring someone in to to bridge the gap. I think that's yeah. why Yarborough is going to be on on this roster. He's 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 too valuable. Yeah, I agree. So, anyways, to recap, we have Phillips, Gratterall, Ferguson, Brazier. I think Almonte, if he's healthy, that's five. Yarbrough, that's six. So, we're at 10. We need three more. Joe Kelly, if he's healthy. Joe Kelly, if he's healthy, yes. Shelby Miller, I think he will be on there if he's healthy. That's 12. So, that's where it really comes down to the last spot. Uh, We named Alex Vesey as an option. I don't think he's been pitching very great recently. I don't know if he's a for sure lock unless we're facing a very lefty heavy opponent. I think that's definitely one factor to consider. Um, but I mean, I think they're going to go with someone with some high upside. I don't, I would think maybe Emmett Sheehan is someone that they give that role to another guy who could give, go one inning and just strike everyone out or he goes oh, three or four innings. Pepeo. And he, yeah. So Pepeo is another guy, but they'd have to start to get him more integrated in a relief role, which yeah, I mean, that's the they kind of did, but it was only the second inning when he came in. But I definitely think a pitcher like Pepio has a lot of upside and, you know, maybe they do bring him into some type of reliever role. I don't know about that. That's too much of a small timeline and he's been known to not throw strikes. So it's, that's too risky for me on the, on the reliever front for him. And then, then we didn't even mention Walker Bueller, but certainly if he comes back and that's a big, if, or Hudson. There was an article saying he's trying to come back before the end of the season. Oh, Daniel Hudson? Yep. Yeah. I'll see it if I believe it. I think two bad knees. Took him forever to come back this season. I'm not too optimistic about him. But yeah, I mean, I think ultimately that last spot, it could be a Sheehan. It could be Stone. It could be Pepio, Vesia, or maybe even Gus Varland works his way onto the postseason roster. So I think we for sure can identify eight guys if they're healthy out of the pen, but that last spot is still. It's nice to have this sort of lead in the division that we do, because then you can kind of experiment here and there and really make this an audition process for who is going to make this roster as a reliever. Well, they need to get Yarbrough pitching every other day. Because he's too, he's too good to be left off the roster, but they need him to be used to this because this is not a, situation that you just start doing it i don't think it's an every other day thing with him i mean if you're if you're carrying vesia and ferguson you don't need him to be a you know everyday reliever you need him when the shit hits the fan or they need a uh, they want to piggyback him with miller for example or something like yeah i mean that'd be fair and you pitch him twice in the series essentially yeah okay alex vesia needs to do a lot better before I even factor him in. He's been really volatile. He's had his moments, but then he has rough patches. Like he seems like he's in another one right now. I mean, 476 ERA, low whip, but still, he's just been really hit or miss. I don't know if I have full confidence in Alex Fessy and high leverage. Maybe he's your low leverage guy, but he really, he really has concerned me this season. I just, I'm not really confident in him unless he proves me otherwise over the next month. That's where I stand on him. That's valid. I mean, I think he's pitched a lot better recently, but I mean, I understand the concerns about the high leverage for sure. This is kind of a funny question from real soundhound underscore. Who would you rather go to a Dodgers game with BSB Zach Hample or Ben <laughs> Verlander? Oh my God. It's oh, a great question. Give me BSB. No, really? I couldn't. Uh, no, I couldn't do it. Why not? I think he'd be the worst of them all. I think so too. I think no. 
I feel like he's Zach. You'd, you'd go with Zach. Yeah, Hample. yeah. I am gonna go with Zach Hample because I'm gonna follow him when he tries to steal home run balls, and I'm just gonna box him out or shove him to the ground, and then give him to the, give him to a kid or something. <laughs> that sounds way more fun than sitting with BSB listening about how the world is gonna end tomorrow. Maybe he's not a maybe he's not a talkative guy. Maybe you can maybe he just shuts up the whole time and you can you can That's, watch the game. That was exactly my concern is that he's just very introverted, doesn't say anything, and just talks shit on. Um, That's social media. perfectly fine with me. Sounds boring. I would go with Ben. Verlander. It's a baseball game. I don't. I, you know, I I can be entertained by the game, even though Ben Verlander is the most obnoxious of the three. Um, I think he would provide the most entertainment value at the same time. Just kind of would pick his brain. Kind of, I would want to know why he's the way he is. Maybe he has some dirt on Justin Verlander. So <laughs> I would at least try to make the most use of this opportunity. No, I'm shoving Zach Campbell to the ground in batting practice. All right, should we do uh, fuck Mary Kill with these three or <laughs> no. But what we should do is what you wanted to debut, Jake. Oh yeah. Uh I don't know if this segment's gonna take off, but uh I just I, I always like talking about since since we do the the Immaculate Grid every every day and we come up with the most obscure players that played on this team and that team. Um, this is a player that I thought of that I could bring up, but it's a segment that I call blast from the past where we talk about Dodgers that we may have forgotten uh, and we uh, shine a spotlight on them. So today uh, I'm going to have us kind of discuss, you know, what we thought of this guy. It's Marlon Anderson. Um, Marlon Anderson. um, He was in the league from 1998 to 2009. He's from Montgomery, Alabama, born on January 6th, LOL. Um, He debuted with the Phillies. Yeah. He debuted with the Phillies in 1998, but you but you'll remember him as a Dodger from 2006 to 2007. He came over. Um, this was when uh, the they had the August deadline. They had the January 31st deadline, and then they had the August like uh, waiver trade deadline. So he came over in that uh, from the Nationals for Johnny Nunez in 2006. Nunez only pitched seven MLB games. Uh, with the White Sox and had a 9.53 ERA in 2009, so he didn't really pan out. But with the Dodgers, Anderson actually was an absolute monster. He was kind of like a left fielder, pinch hit specialist. Uh, he didn't play every day, but as a Dodger in 48 games in 2006, he hit 3.33 with over a thousand OPS, seven home runs, 17 RBIs, and two uh, triples in just 48 games, um, and. Oh, sorry. That was that was his entire time as a Dodger. And then after being traded in 2006, he hit 375 um, with a, over 1,200 OPS in just 25 games. Um, so he was on fire when they when they acquired him in August. Um, he appeared in all three NLDS games with them uh, against the Mets. He had 308 batting average. But what you probably remember him for is the uh, four plus one game. Uh, September 18th, 2006 against the Padres, the Dodgers hit back to back to back to back home runs. He was the fourth one uh, after uh, Jeff Kent, J.D. Drew and Russell Martin. He hit the second home run off of Trevor Hoffman in that inning. And funny enough, in that game, he was five for five with two homers and a triple. So it was an insane (laughs) game. Um, Just before I uh, go into a little bit more about that game, because I I researched a little bit. What were your guys' thoughts about Marlon Anderson back in that day? I mean, oh, you kind of summed him up for me. What I remember is like he was a f- on fire when they got him at the trade deadline and the four plus one game. That's pretty much my only memory of Marlon Anderson. I mean, he was electric when they got him at the deadline. And that was that, I think that was a year. What was that? 20, 2007 or 2006? It was 2006. OK, that was like the first year where I thought like the Dodgers could actually do something in the playoffs. I think that yes. was my main over the playoffs. Four? Yeah. Over 04. Which one was 04? Was that against the Finley Miracle Grand Slam season? No, I was, I mean, I was young at the time, but that one felt like it was just like a little. I didn't think the 2016 was bears. that great, to be honest. I was just, they felt like a first round exit team. But what this is I, when, this was the year we got knocked out by uh, Sean Green in the Mets. Yes. When he, yeah. he threw to home plate, and I think two Dodgers were tagged out at home yes. plate. Yes. Yeah. It was. JD Drew and Jeff Kent, I believe. So yeah, bad. I mean that team was pretty mid. They were a mixture of uh, youth talent, what would become the next core, because and then veterans and Grady Little was the manager. But 
Uh, Jake already said most of the stuff I remember. And then the last thing I remember about Marlon Anderson is they basically traded for him to replace Andre Ethier, who was falling into a rookie slump. So that's why towards the end, Ethier was on the bench riding the pine. Yeah, I mean, just the, the fact that in 25 games, he hit 375 with seven homers. I mean, that's insane. Um, but I want to just kind of walk you guys through real quick uh, of that game, because that was kind of a crazy game back in September of 2006. So um, the starters for that game was Brad Penny for the Dodgers and Jake Peavy for the Padres. And both pitchers pitched five innings and gave up four runs. So they didn't pitch well. Um, it was 4-4 going uh, after the seventh inning. And then uh, our setup guy and closer, Jonathan Broxton and Takashi Saito gave up five runs collectively. Uh, so that wasn't great. So then by the time we got to the top of the ninth, it was nine to five uh, Padres. And they brought in a couple of scrubs uh, to pitch to Jeff Kent and JD Drew. Um, and both of those guys hit home runs. That's when they brought in Hoffman and Russell Martin hit the first home run off of him, and then it was Marlon Anderson. So they tied it up 9-9, but if you guys remember, in the next inning, Aaron Seeley, remember Aaron Seeley? He oh, yeah. came in. He came in and pitched the 10th, and he gave up a go-ahead RBI single to our current bullpen coach, Josh Bard. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a little trivia nugget there for you. And then Nomar. Well, first of all, Kenny Lofton had an insane at bat in the next inning to to lead off with a walk, and that's when Nomar hit the hit the two run walk off shot off of Rudy Cianez or Cianez, Rudy whatever. Signs. Rudy Cianez, <laughs> Cianez, whatever the uh, hell. He I was never also remembered form, that name ever. A former Dodger. Um, in fact, on the Padres roster that day, there were four former Dodgers on there. We had Dave Roberts. Uh, Mike Piazza was on that Padres team. Adrian Gonzalez later became a Dodger. And then of course, Rudy Cianez. Um, just a, an incredible, uh, an incredible game to look back on, but Marlon Anderson, who would have thought he would have been in the mix to become uh, sort of a, a, a legend in his own right. Cool. Good stuff. Yeah. Then the Dodgers decide to sign Cianez the next season. Beautiful. Yeah. And they missed the playoffs. <laughs> By the way, I looked it up Classic and they actually Ned. had him. They actually had him in 94. Yeah. So they already had him before and then they got him back. They did. Dif different GM, different owner. But yeah, they brought him back. Classic Ned with his washed signings. <laughs> All right. Well, we already kind of talked about it, but I want to just dive into a little bit more of how good the Dodgers pitching staff has been this, how good they've been in the month of August. I mean, they lead all of Major League Baseball with a 254 combined ERA. And you have to factor in the, a 10-run performance by Tony Gonsolin. So if you threw that out the window, I mean, they probably have an ERA in the one and a half. So they've just been that dominant so far in the month of August, holding a 198 batting average against as well. Um, Bruce Star Gratterall has thrown eight scoreless appearances this month. Bobby Miller has a 115 ERA. Ryan Brazier, a 123 ERA. Lance Land and Urias both have a 144 ERA. Yarborough has a 146 ERA. Ferguson 150 and Clayton Kershaw 180. So pretty much you have 10 to 12 strong right now of guys that are just going out there. And you can include Pepio who had the one appearance as well. Everyone's just getting the job right, getting the job done right now. And I wish it was September because I'd feel really good about this team going into October. I know that's the one thing I'm worried about. It's just staying healthy, no freak accidents or injuries. And just hope the offense is just hot when they go into the playoffs. That's all I ask. Cause last year they were so cold leading into the playoffs. And I think that really hurt them. Yeah. I mean this, this whole streak, the little devil on my shoulder has been saying they're peaking too early and this is going to end poorly. But um, I mean, I think that's just how, we are trained as Dodger fans after being heartbroken so many years, years after year. But no, I think this offense is what's really special about this team. And the pitching has finally started to catch up to it a little bit, which is why you're seeing such tremendous success in this month. Dodgers have an exciting series on deck with the Boston Red Sox. And then before that, they have the Cleveland guardians who are boring. So first up the guardians, they're uh, under 500. They aren't going to make the playoffs, most likely, unless they start to surge. 
But the first game's intriguing because they'll be going out to Cleveland and they have a date with former Dodger Noah Syndergaard. You want to know how good Noah Syndergaard's been this season? Well, he's one and two with a 506 ERA. So he hasn't really improved that much. And you look into his advanced metrics, he's a 730 FIP with Cleveland, which, which is even worse than his Dodger numbers. So he's still bad. I hope the Dodger team absolutely tees off on him. This should be a slugfest. If the Dodgers were to get shut out by Syndergaard, be pretty embarrassing, to be honest. It's pretty upsetting, I would have to say, that Syndergaard coming into this season signed with the Dodgers because he had seen what the Dodgers had done with Tyler Anderson and was intrigued about how they could help him become a better version of himself. And then to watch literally every other teammate that has come through via trade actually have a much better season, incredibly just remarkable uh, how bad he was with the Dodgers and how in a, how just unable they were to help him get any better. Granted, he did have a little bit of injury issues, but at the same time, you just have to wonder what the hell is going on with him. And I hope and I believe that the Dodgers will shell him. Want to talk about a guy hurting the team? Well, there's your guy because well, they could yeah. win any games with him. What an absolute disaster. You can't fault anyone for taking a flyer on him, but hands down. I know I actually I actually was excited when they signed him because I was like, okay, change of scenery. This is the type of move that the Dodgers typically do, and it typically works out, and it just didn't. Hands down, biggest bust of a signing in terms of flyer upside I've ever seen. $13 million for that was just putrid. I mean, the, the all the talk he did, couldn't walk the walk. It was just it's embarrassing. I think no Syndergaard's done after this season. Like what other team's going to want to take a chance on him? If the Dodgers couldn't fix him, there's no hope for him. And um, after that, you know, I think the Dodgers don't really have much to worry about with this Cleveland team. Keep an eye on Gavin Williams. He's a, he's an up and coming young thrower for them. He's a three Oh two ERA, but I mean, this offense is kind of similar to Milwaukee. Not too many guys that stand out other than, Jose Ramirez, any other thoughts on Cleveland or should we move on to Boston? All right. Yeah. So Dodgers go out to Fenway park. It, it's been a while, I think since they've last played there, I couldn't even tell you what year it's been, but certainly been an extended period amount of time. Red Sox are one of those teams that they're in the postseason mix. They'll probably fall short. Um, what I do like is that they're throwing Chris sale and James Paxton against us. Two really good lefties. So that's going to battle test the Dodgers against how they look against good lefties when they platoon their lineups. But I mean, the big story here is a reunion against Justin Turner. This will be the first time they've ever played against him post Dodgers tenure. He's having a really good season with Boston batting average in the high two eighties, 20 home runs, 78 RBIs. He's looked really good. Uh, so let's start with Justin Turner. Any thoughts on JT? He certainly had a great season this year. And it's not that surprising. I mean, he is a really good hitter and he continue. It's sort of like, I, I'm not going to compare him to the, to the height of a, like a Miguel Cabrera, but like, as those guys got older as Miguel, I mean, Miguel can still hit, you know what I mean? He can still get hits and Justin Turner can still get hits. And he's been a really, a really nice bright spot for them. So I'm, I'm excited to see how that reunion goes. Um, but I think the maybe even the bigger reunion is is Mookie Betts going back to Boston for the first time. So we'll see what is happens. Is this really with... the first time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For yeah. the first time going back. I could back have sworn they were there like the last year or two years ago. Or maybe that was just that that idiot billboard that that Pantone 294 did. I think it was that. Okay. I think that's what threw me off. Yeah, I mean I didn't even think about that. That's that's worth mentioning in itself as well. But yeah, uh, back to focusing on JT though, real quick. I feel like this breakup needed to happen. As great as Justin Turner was, Justin Turner was in a Dodgers uniform. There's just something about this clubhouse mentality and the way that these players act that I feel like has just shifted since they've kind of cleaned up the locker room over this past season. Uh, last season, like we've said many times, they looked too comfortable player like Justin Turner produced on the field, but I feel like he got a little too comfortable that they mixed it up by adding some great hitters like David Peralta, JD Martinez, that just brought a different element. 
And so even though it sucks to see Justin Turner move elsewhere, I feel like this breakup really needed to happen. And it certainly looks like the Dodgers are just benefiting from moving on past him. How do you it's think funny, it's similar, like similar situation with Bellinger and Outman? I mean, obviously Bellinger's having a great year, but it's not like the Dodgers have missed him. You know, I mean, Outman has just completely filled that center field left-handed hitting power threat. So it's similar situation with JD Martinez. I mean, you haven't missed you haven't missed Justin Turner. You just haven't. How do you expect Boston Red Sox fans to greet Mookie Betts when he steps up to the plate? Because he will be the first man up. I expect them to give him a standing ovation. Oh yeah, they will. Hundred percent. Series champion. I that it wasn't you know wasn't Mookie's decision to leave. He was traded, and you know that's more of a reflection on the organization than it is on Mookie. So I fully expect. Uh, Red Sox nation to uh, adore Mookie Betts coming back. And they, will. And they typically are really good uh, with uh, welcoming back players. I remember Nomar Garcia Parra. I don't know why that came to mind, but Nomar Garcia Parra going back to Boston. I remember the ovation that they gave him. Um, they're, they're, it's it's going to be special, I think. The, the, the unfortunate thing is that Mookie really can't milk it because of the pitch clock. Yeah. <laughs> I feel uh, like they, I feel like they, threw in a little rule recently about that because that was messed up that they did that to Bellinger. Yeah, it was. Um, I do think there will be some booze mixed in there. I do no. think there are some fans that will resent him because although it wasn't his choice to be traded, he did reject all the contract extensions thrown his way. And so like any team, there will always be a few bad nuggets out there. But I expect 95% of Boston Red Sox fans in attendance to kind of do the chase Utley treatment where it's loud everyone's standing and it'll be pretty epic um same thing could happen with jd martinez because he also was a world series champion with the red sox and spent quite some time there and this was a little different because the red sox i think purposely did move off of him in free agents so i think there won't be any bad blood there um, what about so kike <laughs> kike i actually think he'll get you know a respectable round of applause no ovation but Again, he was a hero for them in 2021. He literally carried them to an ALCS. And so I think that's not that long ago that Red Sox fans will forget about that. Uh, bats to watch out for on Boston. Rafael Devers, for sure, 29 home runs. He's a monster up there. Uh, Tristan Casas has really emerged as a rookie. He's their future with 20 home runs. And then the guy that I thought in the offseason was Kodai Senga was actually – uh, Yoshida, who's an outfielder for Boston, he's hitting 299. He's a pretty good bat. I remember that. Rarely strikes out. Um, and then Alex Verdugo, former Dodger, he's in the lineup. And Jaron Duran, he's another good speedy rookie outfielder. So the Red Sox definitely have a lot of bats to watch out for. Uh, they're more susceptible on their pitching, but maybe we'll face former Dodger Chris Martin. Definitely a guy you don't want to see come out of the bullpen because he's been shut down and we don't have Cody Bellinger to hit a home run off him. Also, Connor Wong catcher he came over in the in the mookie or in exchange for mookie bets yeah it's just verdugo and wong that is left over from that trade what do you guys think what do you guys think of alex verdugo i mean do you feel like this is who he is and and this is the return that they got or do we or do we feel like red sox fans may be a little disappointed with the return from alex verdugo i mean how could you not be disappointed he's been an MLB average player the entire time. He's solid, but you just traded Mookie Betts and basically all you got was Alex Verdugo. Not basically, all you got was Alex Verdugo. And yeah, you have to be, that's like, that's a complete disaster. But I mean, they're not alone. Look, the Rockies got nothing for Arenado. The Cardinals got nothing for Goldschmidt. So you're seeing a lot of these former, you know, homegrown stars who are being traded get nothing. The teams who trade them get nothing in return. So it's just another way. If you if you got a star, you got to do everything you can to keep them because there's like a 50% chance your return isn't going to be anything close to what they were. The problem with the Red Sox, though, is that we knew this was going to be a bad trade the moment it happened. Nobody had any high upside on any of these guys. Um, like David said, we expected Verdugo to be a serviceable M um, MLB player, but certainly no one was saying he's going to be an alts, an all-star for multiple generations. Connor Wong was kind of a flyer. Uh, Jeter Downs, I think he was, a, he ended up being a bust, but again, yeah, but he was, he was like the main piece of that trade. Yeah, he was. Yeah, exactly. He was, so the, they just completely flopped on talent evaluation there. Yeah, it's, it's 
probably the second worst trade in Boston Red Sox history. We we all know what the worst one is. Also, uh, I know we've faced Kenley Jansen before on another team, but Kenley also will be there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if uh, if a save situation comes up or he comes in in a tight ball game to see what the Dodgers do. No Trace Thompson this time to break up the save. Yeah. All right, we're we're gonna round. We're gonna close out the show. We're getting to the final stages here. A um, couple more quick questions. Uh, Parel eighteen. When is Bush being promoted? Never. OG Hudson Knox. Um, do you think Julio Arias is going to return with the Dodgers this upcoming season? Very similar to Trey, I think. Probably not. I don't know if anyone. I think yeah. I mean, if they get Otani, it's it's absolutely a, a no. But if they don't get Otani, I think there's there's a, there's a high chance he comes back. Do you, but do you think Otani will be one of the first dominoes to fall? There is no way Julio Rios will sign a contract until Otani does. So yes is the answer. Yeah, Forrest knows how to play the money game. That would be asinine for him to sign before Otani. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I don't know how much that ties because one's a unicorn and one's just a starting pitcher. There's teams are going to be really hungry for good starting pitchers and Urias Urias very well could be the first domino to fall just because of who he is. And most of these teams aren't going to be in the Otani mix anyways, but I think there's close to a 0% chance that Urias even comes back with the Dodgers. I think the contract's just going to be too much with probably close to 200 million. Dodgers are going to find other options, whether it's the, the good Yamamoto out of Japan, if they don't get Otani, I think he's a really good contingency plan. And I would expect him to be pretty much the next man up for the Dodgers to target if they miss out on Otani. This feels like a, uh, this feels like a weird take I'm about to say, but I, I just, it just thought of it. It, it feels like, um, it feels like Julio Rios or like there's some players that, that come through the Dodgers organization that feel like system quarterbacks where like they, they only do well in this system. And then once they leave, like a la like Tyler Anderson, like they just kind of go South. I, I'm not saying that Julio is in that, in that realm, but I could just see him like, going to a different team and a team just giving him an absolutely ridiculous contract and then him not panning out or living up to that deal. Yeah. I mean, I think that's very possible as well. I already think the Dodgers got the ceiling with Urias. So anything that you're going to pay him moving forward, you're paying off past performance and not right. future superstar performance. Um. Yeah. That's all I got today. Any other miscellaneous topics, David, or you want to move into final thoughts? I'm I'm good to move into final thoughts. Nothing. It's been kind of quiet. Well, okay. I'll I'll do this for my final thoughts. So you guys go ahead. Okay. So my final thoughts are just we we'll close out with just how good Mookie Betts has been. I mean, I kind of skipped too much of a beat, but I mean the fact that he came up against David Robertson in the eighth inning with two runners in scoring position, uh, one or two outs. I can't remember, but needless to say, he drove them in. And in that follow-up game, two individual solo home runs on LeBron James bobblehead night, like we talked about, and just one goat to another greatness, respecting other greatness. It was just some of the most badass stuff that, I mean, I've ever seen. I mean, you got to have some pretty big, you got to have a pretty big eggplant in your pants to just, homer twice with lebron james watching so i mean this is what mookie Betts has been all season long ops is basically a thousand he has a better pretty much almost all around better stats than ronald acuna jr minus batting average run scored and then the stolen bases which is you know i'm almost kind of knocking it because they made the big bases bigger which makes it easier to steal bases and i don't think you should win mvp based off stealing more bases but this has just been a really interesting season because a few weeks ago we thought Freddie Freeman was the guy chasing Acuna. And now all of a sudden with Mookie Betts on fire, just hitting like 500 in the month of August, he's really earned his respect and he should be heavily discussed about for MVP. I agree. My final thoughts are that I just hope that the Dodgers are, are hot 
when they need to be down the stretch, because that's going to be a real key going into the playoffs. I'm a little nervous at facing some of these teams like the Marlins and like the Reds that have kind of a sneak. They have sneaky teams. Uh, the Marlins, that lineup is not easy to get through. Uh, they added a couple of really nice pieces in Josh Bell and Jake Berger at the deadline. And that that lineup with Jorge Soler at the top, like that's not an easy team to face in a short series. Now, should the Dodgers take care of business? Absolutely. But you never you never know when a team like that can surprise you. So I just hope that the Dodgers have all their ducks in a row and are and are hot when they need to be. Yeah, my final thoughts are. Where did the onions go at Dodger Stadium? It's been like a year and a half of this. And apparently you can get them in like one section, maybe the dugout club and then like one other section. But are the Dodgers seriously just cheaping out on not letting us have onions on our hot dogs? Because honestly, that's just like the golden recipe of the Dodger dogs. The the best part was the the onions, like the 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 diced onions. Twist the little thing, you diced onions, and you get them on your hot dog. So I just can't believe I live in a world where the Los Angeles Dodgers organization that's worth billions of dollars is cheaping out on onions for us. Like you could have got away with the, like it's a supply chain thing a year and a half ago, but that shit. No, that is not no longer an acceptable excuse in today's society. So I just don't understand where the fuck the onions went. It really is a crucial part of the combination of the mustard and the onions, because you could just have mustard on a hot dog and you can get by with that, but it's not as enjoyable. There's that certain crunch and that, that flavor that the onions give mixed with the mustard that makes it great. And I don't want to, I don't want to resort to putting ketchup on my hot dog or finding relish somewhere, which I I, actually, I don't even think that they have relish either um, for those that like that. So that needs to be definitely fixed. Ridiculous. Makes no sense. No sense. We're like the leading organization in baseball, and you can't give us onions. Dodger dogs came off my radar the moment they switched away from Farmer John. More Sure, tragic. but that's not the point. The point is this is the Los Angeles Dodgers. This isn't the Pittsburgh Pirates or the Cincinnati Reds or the Colorado Rockies. I give us new- our onions. You- Pay you up. Gotta, you know what you got to do next Pay time? Up. You got to bring your own onions. No, I'm never going to be that person. Oh, that is so lame. That would be so fucking lame. Can't do it. We didn't even we didn't talk about the Padres. Are they done? I hope so, but I I never I can never count them out just because of their I know roster. they're they're your they're your NLCS pick, but they're my boogeyman. That roster is scary even now. They're bad. They're the biggest fraud. They of are all bad, time. but their roster is phenomenal. I mean, it can't be phenomenal. It's not that they're, it's not just that they're bad and the Yankees are doing this too. It's that they don't give a shit. It's like this weird thing that's going on where they just don't care. And it's kind of weird as to why they don't or why they can't establish any type of leadership in that clubhouse with the Padres because they, we always talk about it. They have all the talent in the world and why aren't they winning? You know, they, I, part of it is because I don't think that they give a shit. I mean, they don't have a leader, that's for sure. The Juan Soto trade is working out exactly like I hoped it would. Gutted their farm, albeit they have replenished. They have two guys in the top 10. But the fact that they could have had a dominant core for years to come, and they threw it all away for Juan Soto, who's been good, but he's not the Juan Soto they thought they were training for. James Wood is going to be a superstar and could be better than Juan Soto statistically couple years from now and then cj abrams who would be a better addition than xander bogarts i mean you have slot him at shortstop would have been a way cheaper more flexible and better option than bogarts so hot aj preller this offseason is going to be good comedy drama so i'm getting the popcorn ready what's crazy is their top prospect now jackson merrill who's a shortstop who they're now playing in left field because they might desperately call him up now would have been the perfect option for them as shortstop. This Bogart contract made no sense ever. It was it literally made no sense. You had Ha Sung Kim, you had Tatis if you want to put him there, and you knew you had Jackson Merrill who was a year away and ended up being six months away. So the Bogart's contract was just out of left field and so unwarranted. It just felt like they it was one of those contracts where they were like, we gotta get someone and we gotta pay someone a shit ton of money. Let's go with Xander Bogarts and just do that. That's kind of what it felt like. They just completely ignored organizational fit entirely. 
just to get his bat in there, I guess. All they had to do was wait one year, not pay Bogarts. They could have probably been the front runners to sign Otani. They have an awesome youth core. And then all that money you gave Bogarts and probably Soto would have gone to Otani. And I think that would have been a much better team and probably more fun to watch. And they'd actually give God, how much would that have? How much would that suck? (laughs) So thank you, AJ Preller, because you have assembled an all-star team of guys that won't ever play for your organization. And that's almost impressive as an executive. So thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast presented by uh, Fansided. Uh, Make sure to download wherever you get your podcast and be a subscriber. It really helps us go a long way. And if you're enjoying the content, leave a review as well. Hopefully five stars uh, because we want you to like us. So everyone stay safe out there. Stay dry and go Dodgers. East Coast trip coming up. So put that on your radar. All right, everyone. Have a great week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.